Okay, here's a story I've been pondering for a couple of days. It's a story I heard in an ashram a few months ago. And at first, I it didn't really move me. I didn't really get it. And then at some point a week later, it kind of clicked and I went, ah, this is a cool story. And I don't know why it reappeared so suddenly just days ago. But I thought, well, I'll find its meaning or why it's back kind of in front of me when the time is right. And then this morning while I was doing yoga, it popped up again. And I thought, maybe I should just figure it out on the podcast. Maybe just should talk it out and see where I arrive with this. So here goes the story first. There's an old monk and a younger monk, and they're traveling together, trying to get to a small village. They have to travel through a jungle. And by the afternoon, late afternoon, the old monk stops and sits down and says, it's time for prayer and closes his eyes and wants to get into a meditative prayer. And the young monk, surprised by that, says, well, but isn't it dangerous to stay here? Shouldn't we just hurry to the village and then do the prayers? But the old monk had none of that. It was time for prayer, so he would sit down and pray no matter where they were. And so the young monk sat next to him, closed his eyes, and pretended to be praying and meditating as well. When suddenly he heard something from far away, and he slowly opened his eyes, and he saw a tiger in the woods. He got up and slowly started climbing up a tree while the tiger was slowly approaching the old monk. And the young monk thought, the old monk is for sure going to be eaten by the tiger. I knew it was dangerous to stop here. But the old monk was unmoved, closed eyes in deep, deep meditative prayer. The tiger came closer and closer and closer, and eventually the tiger and the old monk were face to face, and the tiger was sniffing at the monk's face and whole body and trying to figure out if this was something he should eat or not. The young monk was up at the tree, observing everything, frozen in fear. And eventually the tiger lost interest and left, and eventually disappeared. So the young monk hurried down the tree, sat next to the old monk, closed his eyes, pretended to be praying, and eventually the old monk came out of the meditative prayer and started walking again. And so the young monk hurried after him. Once they got out of the jungle, they were back on the roads and they could already see the village far away when a wild dog started barking at them and approaching them wildly. The old monk had a, a stick, a walking stick, that he started using and waving and shouting at the wild stray dog. Eventually, the stray dog left. And as the old monk continued walking, the young monk just couldn't hold it in anymore. And he asked the old monk, well, when you were at the jungle and a tiger approached you, you did nothing. But here on the street, when a wild dog approaches you and barks, you made a huge fuss. You were waving at a stick violently at him. And the old monk looked at the young monk and said, well, yeah, when I was with a tiger, I was with God. But now that I was with this dog, I was with you. As I said, the first time I heard this old yogi tell the story, I wasn't quite sure. I mean, it was sort of entertaining, but I was like, hmm, not quite sure about this. A week or two later, it kind of hit me and I was like, yeah, you know, he was with your dumb ass, not with God. It does make kind of sense. And now that I'm pondering it, this story obviously has many great stories and, you know, metaphors have as many angles and many different meanings. 
You know, on the one hand, this is about, you know, acting appropriately to the situation. On the other hand, this is about, you know, we're not always the same version of ourselves. Like when I'm with God, you know, nothing scares me and there's nothing that needs to be done. It all just happens on its own. There was no reason to be scared because I was with God. And because I was with God, there was no reason to be scared. The tiger would leave if it's not supposed to eat me. And if it's my time, this very moment to die, then the tiger came to do its job. There's no reason to do anything. It, it will get done. There's no reason to be afraid, which then in the biological world is a big reason why there won't be any reason to be afraid. Because I'm not afraid, I'm not generating the kind of energy, the kind of chemicals in my body, the kind of biology that would suggest to a predator that I am prey. I'm not prey because I'm praying. And because I'm praying and there's zero fear in me and just absolute stillness and peacefulness, the tiger doesn't get the signal to attack and to hunt and to eat me. So it leaves. There's a version of this story that could be interpreted as kind of choose your friends wisely or the kind of your environment will influence you when he's with the young afraid monk and the, an aggressive dog approaches, he acts out in aggression too, in fear. He responds to it because he's with a young monk. But when he's with God, when you're with, with whoever you surround yourself with, it will influence how you will act, right? That's another flavor of version of the story. You know, but as I've been pondering it some more, I wonder, yesterday something happened and I was with a friend and I told that friend, hey, I believe that the people we love the most, they can touch us in a way that nobody else can. And so they will bring out in us our deepest trauma, our deepest pain, and our deepest truth. We sometimes think, wow, when I'm with my mom or my parents, I'm the worst version of myself. But maybe that worst version is the truest version of you. It's the one you successfully can hide from colleagues and neighbors and acquaintances, but you can't hide from your parents. You cannot hide from your lover. You cannot hide from your children. There's people that have direct access to your heart and they can in some ways push your buttons. But what does that mean? They don't create your buttons. They don't make you a worst version of yourself. They just reveal what's really underneath. And that's not pretty oftentimes, it's not necessarily pretty. So that's been one way of how I have been thinking about why sometimes I'm not as wise or not as calm or not as peaceful or not as strong or not as courageous or not as loving when I'm with the people I love the most. Now that I think about it, I wonder if this story is also telling us that none of us is ever one version of anything. There's a version of us that is with God, and that version is amazing. That's when we feel our true self. That's when we have seen and made miracles happen. That's when we have, you know, gone through the fire without feeling the heat. That's when magic is happening. We've all had these moments where we're indestructible, where we're incredible. We can feel genius, the genius of the universe flow through us. We're like, wow, I'm amazing. This was amazing. 
And we've all had moments where we feel like, what the fuck was this? What the hell is wrong with me? Why am I like this? And maybe that's not because when we're shitty, it's who we truly are. And maybe it's also not the other way around where it's like when we're a genius, that's who we truly are. Maybe it's a question of who we are with and not only externally, but maybe much more importantly, internally, in our spirit, in our soul, in our heart, in our mind. Who are you with? Are you with God in this moment? Or are you with a scared little monk? <laughs>